Good evening. This is Peter Hammond in the studio for From the Frontline. And we have with us Chaplain Reverend Stephen Croft from Massachusetts. Welcome. Hey, God bless you, Dr. Hammond. I'm, and, I'm honored to be here. And we have Colonel John Eitzmo from Alabama, U.S. Air Force retired chaplain, but also professor of constitutional law and author. Uh, welcome. Great to be here, and thank you for all you're doing, Dr. Hammond. Colonel Eitzmo has been part of Frontline Fellowship for many years and was part of our Reformation 500 events in Wittenberg, Germany, back in 2017. Um We've had Stephen Croft here for quite a few Biblical Worldview Summits before. So, um, St Pastor Stephen, you've been dealing with the curse of modern ca cancel culture and the whole uh, burn-loot-murder movement. So on. Would you like to say something about this? Because from South Africa, we've heard the news headlines. We've probably got a lot of distortion of what's gone on. What has been going on in the BLM movement and the attacks in the streets? Well, what's going on, basically, it's a Marxist uh, plot. And what is so frustrating for me as a black American is the fact that there's so much hypocrisy coming through and so much deception to black people, to black Americans who do not understand the ideologies and the schemes and the agendas behind this movement. When I do presentations in, in America, I do not use the term Black Lives Matter. I use the term... <clears throat> burning, looting, and murdering, because basically that that's what it is. And in practice, that's what we see here. Yes, yes, and that's what you see, that's what we see in the States. And maybe it's Paul Lucifer and Moloch behind it. Yes, and see, people do not even understand the, the spiritual entities that, like you just mentioned, Moloch, for instance, sacrificing our own children to the altar Moloch. That is a very grievous uh, phenomenon that's happening uh, in America, and Black Lives Matter, so-called, supports that through the the most overt racist at that time, which was Margaret Sanger, who started the organization, which is International Planned Parenthood. So apparently not all Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter. No, in fact, it, it becomes an issue that would, that causes great, not only division, Peter, but also a lot of times violence, especially when a black conservative steps up and says, well, wait a minute, I'm black, you're black, and yet you say black lives matter, then why are we killing each other in the streets? Why are we supporting a racist named Margaret Sanger who established an international organization called Planned Parenthood? Why is our abortion rate for our, our statistically so great, and yet we support uh, Planned Parenthood and the racist woman who started it. Abortion is so bad that one in four children conceived is aborted. But amongst the black people, it's one in two. Exactly, exactly. The deception that is now gripping in hearts of my people, Peter, is mind-blowing. And that's the reason why I, I always get so encouraged when I come over here and work with you, because I get a lot of precepts. You said something today in our in our group that really encouraged and inspired me that I'm going to take back and see how I can apply that principle against this this one world order business. I believe that what you shared with me today is going to be critical to push back this this uh, uh, agenda of uh, 2030 new world order. It does seem to be a common agenda. 
Colonel Eisenberg, this morning you gave a lecture on critical race theory. Uh, would you like to give us some insights? What's actually behind it when you get down to it? Ultimately, it's Marxist. And Marxism, of course, is a Darwinian philosophy that everything is a struggle for survival of the fittest between economic classes, the rich versus the poor, and the idea of Marxist communism is the proletarian or poor classes overthrowing the bourgeois or wealthier classes and ultimately establishing a classless society, although it never works out that way. But, but it looks like they're going beyond classless to a genderless society now, too. Right, and that's where what we call cultural Marxism comes in. Gramsci and the cultural <laughs> Marxists, which really are, it's probably the best name that you can use for this movement that we call woke, or that we call critical race theory. Cultural Marxism is probably the best term. They're saying the Marxists are right, but the struggle between classes it's a lot broader than that. It's not just economic class that they're saying. It's a struggle between sexes, between sexual preferences, sexual identifications, between the rich and the poor, between different races, between but Basically, when you religions. get down to it, it's revolution. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to change everything. Isn't revolution, there... not just revolution, but they want to create class warfare. And... They want to divide people into classes, get people to distrust each other more, get people to identify with their own so-called identity group rather than as individuals and the like. And so is this like what Lenin said, constructive chaos? Don't underestimate the power of constructive chaos to burn everything down so that you can build it back better. They want to break everything down, burn everything down, and out of the ashes will arise their utopia. Very much so. In fact, that was one of Biden's slogans, is mm -hmm. build back better. But Has he built anything? And is anything better? Nothing that I can see. <laughs> Except so, maybe his own finances uh, and that of his son. Now, uh, back to you, Pastor Stephen. Um, it seems interesting that BLM had on their website, as part of their goals, to promote the transgender movement. What has that got to do with Black Lives Matter promoting the transgender cult? It has nothing to do with it, but then again, it has everything to do with it. Because, like, like Professor Agmore has just said, the end game is civil war. They know, we all know, that all lives matter. That's a given. But, but you're not allowed to say that. We're, they're not, we're not allowed to say it, but I say it anyhow. For well, the all lives do matter. Y yes, that's just common sense. But you even get in trouble saying all black lives matter outside an abortion clinic. Well, like I said, I have, I, most people who are liberals, white and black, in the state of Massachusetts, which is one of the most liberal states in the United States of America, they have a problem with me. They do one of two things with me. They either completely ignore me, like I don't exist, mm -hmm. by canceling me out, or they attack me. I had to go to a, to, into an extreme and start purchasing weapons, and I have a criminal record. And I had to jump over 50 hurdles in order to get a license to carry with a criminal record. But I was determined that if anybody had did a home invasion in my house, even though they would kill me, I was taking some of them out. Because I've come to a place, Dr. Hammond, in my life now at 80 years old, is <laughs> I have no fear, man. No. I really don't. Well, at this stage, you should only fear God. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have no fear of man. And I will, I will approach. 
or I will come against black liberals. I'll come against white liberals. I'll come against white conservatives if they're not right. I don't. I don't. I do not fear man for the simple reason that I know. <laughs> what did God tell Moses? He says, <laughs> "The the length of life is is three score and ten. I've passed three score and ten. So <laughs> you're in overtime. Thank you. I'm in overtime. So I have no time to, to fear man, uh, Doctor. Well, in Rhodesia, we say the battle is not between black and white. The battle is between black and white against red. The real enemy is the reds. Exactly. And it seems to me that communism really is behind these different movements. We've got a cancel culture ripping down our monuments. We've got hostility to Christian values, school boards that are trying to promote all kinds of transgender cult and perversion in schools, and insane governments that are giving us fake elections, fake pandemics, mm -hmm. fake vaccines and everything else, masquerade madness. But behind it all, isn't it really... Communist revolutionary goals, the whole globalist agenda. Exactly. That's what it is. That's that's yeah. it exactly. Revolution is the end game here yeah. with this thing. You, you mentioned mm -hmm. school boards. Uh, we had a situation in what month was back in June where a dear friend of ours, her name is Bonnie Manchester, she served faithfully as a social studies teacher in the secular system for 23 years with an impeccable record. But then she found out that two of her students were being groomed into mm. this transgender movement where the, 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 the siblings would go to school normal and then change clothes into some funny outfit when they mm. got to school and called different names that, you know, one of the boys' names was Ray. He'd come in there and change his name to some foolish woman name. Mm. Bonnie found out about it. Then she started to see these queer books uh, written by some guy named uh, John Green, all these, these these perverted books. So what she did, she went back and reported it to the kids' father. That got her in a ball of trouble. And after 23 years of having an impeccable record, they fired her under the guise of uh, 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 unbecoming uh, a team. Con uh, conduct unbecoming. Yeah, yeah. So she's filing now. She has a lawsuit uh, in, with the federal lawsuit pending now uh, in Massachusetts with that. Uh, it's amazing the things that have been transpiring in throughout New England on some of these issues. There is resistance growing. And uh, Colonel Antimo, as as an attorney yourself and you're involved in several movements involved in resistance, it's not just negative stories of attacks. There are some positive um Counterattacks. You've had some real success in America, even with the Supreme Court recently, haven't you? We've had quite a change in the Supreme Court with a number of more conservative justices, and President Trump had a great deal to do with that, with appointing three justices to the court that have been <coughs> much more conservative than those they replaced. And so well, we're that, very pleased with that. They actually but, managed to roll back the Roe v. Wade abortion mandate from the from federal government and threw it back to the states. Absolutely. And in fact, it never belonged in the federal government anyway, because the Constitution says mm -hmm. nothing about abortion. <coughs> what the court did in Roe versus Wade back in 1973 is they created a new right out of thin air. Mm -hmm. And basically what they said is that you look to the Constitution, and the Constitution has emanations that flow out of it. Mm -hmm. And these emanations form... The word they used was penumbras or shadows and so on. And the picture you get is these justices having some kind of 
special colored glasses they're wearing, and they see, as they read the Constitution, all these things emanating out of it and coalescing into rights like gay rights and abortion in the margins. But none but, of that's legal terminology. That sounds well, it's, very it's spurious. And what it does is removes the Constitution from any kind of objective scholarship, and it means the Constitution means anything. The, the majority of a nine-person committee of lawyers who are unelected and hold office for life, that's the Supreme Court, the Constitution means whatever that five-vote majority wants it to mean. And that, like I say, no rights are secure in that case. The same court that can read into the Constitution rights that aren't there, like abortion and same-sex marriage, can also read out of the Constitution rights that are there. And so no rights are secure with that interpretation. We don't need this living Constitution they talk about. We need an enduring Constitution, one that protects our rights for all time. Now, there is real counterattack coming in the state, especially the school boards. We see a lot of action getting rid of these Marxists and transgender fanatics who are trying to indoctrinate the kids. Uh, what else is positive? Because we can see there have been many monuments pulled down, and you even had the Ten Commandments monuments in Alabama removed by federal intervention. Um, what is on the go right now in counterattacking and seeking to reestablish law and justice and freedom in America? Well, we have one group called Moms for Liberty that really has taken off all across the country. And these ladies in Moms for Liberty are showing up at school board meetings. They're protesting actions that are being taken. In many cases, they are running candidates for school board and in many cases being successful. Likewise, library boards and so on. We also have another group called Parents. I can't remember the full title of the group, actually, but they're filing lawsuits all over the country in regard to things that are going on in libraries and so on. We have one case, for example, in Iowa. This is in the school district, Linmar, where my wife taught. That's where she did her student teaching and where she taught for her first year after she graduated from college. But this is one of the more liberal school systems in the state, and they instituted a policy saying that any teacher or any student who wants to be identified by whatever pronoun he, she, or it, they, whatever choose, that other students and other teachers and staff have to address that student or faculty member by those pronouns, that if they don't, they can be disciplined, including expulsion or firing. And That seems anyway, insane that you well, get penalized for having to lie. Well, you know, I've decided that this is entirely appropriate. And so I've decided I have my own preferred pronouns. My preferred pronouns are thee, thou, thy, and thine. But being from Alabama, I'll settle for y'all. But somehow I don't think those pronouns are going to be recognized. But anyway, this group, that, this group of parents that is challenging this policy, they're saying that violates our free speech. It violates my child's right of free speech. You're forcing my child to say something that he doesn't want to say and he doesn't believe is true. Saying that by referring to this teacher as he or she when the teacher is a biological male, that is forcing the child to accept that the this sex change has happened when in fact it has not. That person is still by DNA a male. And likewise violates free exercise of religion. Violates Common, many cases, common the, sense, mm, integrity. No, and common sense. But anyway, the, they were successful in the Eighth Circuit in overturning a lower court decision of this and ruling in favor of these parents. 
We have an interesting thing that the foundation has been involved, and we were involved in that one too. We filed an amicus brief, but we in Ohio we have a case right now, a family that is in a small school district, and in that school district they have a substitute teacher. A substitute is there for several months because of a, an extended leave. Music teacher, who has decided that he is a woman and is insisting that the children address him with feminine pronouns and by a feminine name that he has chosen for himself. And these children refuse to do so and their parents do not want them to do so because well, that violates their religious convictions. So they have asked that their children be excused from the music class and just go to study hall during the music class. The school said, no, we're not going to do that. If we did that, we'd be discriminating against that teacher. Well, oh my. They, and their who's, policies... Whose school is it? Isn't the school belonging to the parents in a real sense? That's right. Who's that's paying right. the bills? <laughs> that's right. The parents and taxpayers are the ones that really own the system, and those who administer the school really are servants of the taxpayers. I mean, if but, the teacher wants to go and set up as an institution that people mm -hmm. can come to, he can set up his rules there, but does he have the right to come in and tell the parents and the students what they've got to do? Exactly. That's our point on this, is that, yes, this teacher... I'll concede for the sake of argument, this teacher has a right to call himself whatever name he wants to use and to use whatever pronouns he wants to use for himself. But he doesn't have a right to force others to address him by those names or those pronouns. It's pretty insane what we're dealing with. It's like the lunatics are running the asylum. Uh, but uh, just a few points on, on actual um, reality. Doesn't the Supreme Court... Uh, actually have the Ten Commands in their building. Yes. On the outside and the inside of the building. They do, yeah. And yet uh, they could order uh, the um, Alabama um, justice to remove the Ten Commandments monument that you had set up in your building. That is true, but again, that was back in the early 2000s. That was, I think, a 2004 yes. decision. Since that time, we've had a couple of other cases involving the U.S. Supreme Court and the Ten Commandments, and one of these involved a Ten Commandments plaque in a <coughs> county in Kentucky, the county courthouse, McCreary <coughs> County versus ACLU. The other involved a case in Texas where there was a Ten Commandments monument that was on the lawn of the Texas State Capitol. On the same day, the Supreme Court, by a 5-4 vote, held that the plaque in Tennessee was an unconstitutional establishment of religion, whereas the monument in Texas was not. Perry versus Van Orden, or Van Orden versus Perry was the Texas case. The difference was that the monument in Texas, the court said, was out there with a lot of other monuments, and so taking them as a whole, there wasn't any endorsement of any particular religion. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Kentucky, the Ten Commandments plaque had been there by itself, so they took that as an endorsement of religion, although they didn't even say which religion it endorsed. Christianity, Judaism, Islam, they all recognized the Ten Commandments. But, yes. but anyway, and since that time, we've had more conservatives on the court, so I seriously doubt that even that ruling would stand today. Right, but we've had some inconsistency out there for sure, but what's disturbing is that you've got people who applauded the pulling down of national monuments, such as of Columbus and General mm -hmm. Robert E. Lee, but they criticized the man who pulled down the Statue of Satan in the Iowa State Capitol, and they approved the removal of Ten Commands Monument mm -hmm. in 
uh, Alabama. So you would think these people support removing of monuments. Well, the man and who pulled down the, the Bahamut monument, which was just an informal <coughs> thing. And mm -hmm. again, I argue that the First Amendment guarantees religious freedom for various sects of Christianity and Judaism, possibly other religions as well. But I don't think it includes Satanism. I don't think Satanism is really a religion. It is anti-religion. And yes. many Satanists will say that we don't even believe in Satan. We just are Satanists because we are anti-religion. And the real purpose that they have that Bahamut monument there as a Satan symbol is that not that they really want that symbol there, but their hope is that Christians are going to look at that and say, well, if we have to have that, then maybe we better not have any religious symbols at all in public. And if we bought into that, they won the argument. Yes, similar to people who've been campaigning for homosexual marriages, perhaps the goal is just to remove all marriages, to actually have a war against marriage itself. Probably so. Because it's not that they're exactly practicing lifelong commitment anyway. Mm -hmm. Most of them are very promiscuous and have quick rotation mm -hmm. of different partners as it is. It seems that this we want privileges for who we shack up with um, from business and inheritance. And yet there are special tax benefits for married couples, primarily because they're producing children who future taxpayers and they're going to maintain the economics of the society in the future. And there's a lot of sacrifices parents have to make for children in their first several years, a lot of expenses to raise children. And so it's understandable that a married couple, heterosexual couple, who's straight and who's producing children, should have some kind of tax breaks in order to encourage them because what they're doing is absolutely essential for the future economy and survival of the society. And now to try and put an equal level with that, some people, because they happen to shack up together, two lesbians or two homosexuals, um, that's, they're not making any economic contribution to society equivalent to that of those who are raising next generation. But by them demanding special privileges, isn't their goal just to destroy all support for marriage entirely with the goal of ending up with a marriageless society and ultimately, a, with the transgender cult, a genderless society, not just classless, but genderless? Well, it's to eliminate all such distinctions and really all kinds of objective morality. But, you know, you're getting back to the man who was under a misdemeanor charge in Iowa for having taken the head off that Bahamut statue, I might say there's been quite a rallying around him. In fact, at the last I heard, and this is before I left the United States several days ago, he had, her citizens had already raised over $28,000 for legal fees for him. I'm sure it's more now, $28,000, what would that be in Rand? Oh, uh, well over 100000 went hmm. very significant. Anyway, so he's going to get a good defense, and shows that a lot of people are behind him. No, well, I'm sure that what he did was moral, legal, right, just. I mean, if we mm -hmm. were suddenly confronted with a statue dedicated to Satan somewhere in our country, I trust we'd take it down too. We had a while ago, some people from Burma came and put up these peace poles all over Cape Town. And some friends of us who had been part of the original Bible study and prayer fellowship of mission demolished them, one off the top of Tape Mountain, another in St. George's Street in downtown Cape Town, brought them into the police station, laid it on the charge desk and said, we want to report that we've taken down these here. Um, here's our details if you need to charge us. And the policeman on duty said, I'm not sure that any crime's been committed because we don't think anyone owns these things. Some Buddhist monks had come here planting peace poles like acupuncture around the world and said, this is an important place to have them. 
Well, of course, Burma doesn't have peace. If it doesn't work at home, don't export it. <laughs> That's a very they've, good point. They've got one of the worst governments on the planet and tremendous um, violence in Burma. But speaking about monuments here in Cape Town, as I was flying in from Johannesburg on Monday evening, it was just getting dark at the time, and we were flying over, is it Table Mountain? Mountain, yes. Flying over that, right close to that, there was a mountain there that had a beautiful lighted cross at the top, mm. and that was inspiring to see. Oh, yes, that would be um, by uh, Plattenberg um, Pla um, Panorama. We've got a lovely cross there. If we mm. go up the N1 road heading north, we can see this cross very promptly, and it's specially set up around Christmas and Easter time. Very so good. very nice to know that we've got that and that you can see it from the air as you're coming in. So monuments are important because it's part of our history. And in the Bible, we see the children of Israel setting up stones in memory of crossing the Red Sea and things like that. So important that we have uh, things to remind us when yes. you see these stones. <coughs> he moved not the ancient landmarks, the right. scripture says. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's against the law to take down national monuments. Unless the government does it themselves. But yes, a number of, a number of these have been taken out, taken down by government officials, many times without any legal authority to do so. But if a mob does it, surely it should be prosecuted. One thing we have done in Alabama, that we have passed several years ago the Alabama Monument Preservation Act that has established a special state commission saying that no local officials can remove a monument or a historical plaque without permission from the state commission. And there is, I think, a $20,000 fine for any municipality that tries to do that. And that has slowed that process down in Alabama quite a bit. Not completely, but quite a bit. Well, we do need to protect our national monuments. They are under attack, and we should be protecting our children, too. So, um, Boss Steve, as you've been traveling around Cape Town, speaking to people in the streets, what's your perception on the spiritual state here? What have, what have you observed? Well, I can't really say, I've only been here a few days, so I can't really feel the pulse of, of Cape Town in this short time I've been here. Is there anything but, in particular you'd want to say to our people here well, to learn thing, from what's one, going on in America? One, yes, one thing I've noticed here in Cape Town, uh, as a black American, when we walk up to people and they hear our accent and know that we're Americans, they are very receptive to us. Edith and I... Uh, we were over there by that children's hospital and took us on outreach yesterday, and there were three black Africans that had on Raider uh, 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 Lakers shirts. So we stopped and we started having a conversation with them. I think you came up behind us later. Yes. And uh, we had a very good conversation with them concerning the things of God. So I haven't really experienced any hostility here. I experienced a lot more hostility back at home. And one of the things that I just heard uh, you and, and, and uh, Dr. Eismore talking about was about the monuments. The states' rights issue has been very sticky in America because what has happened, like with our case, the case we won was Shirtlet versus City of Boston uh, on the Christian flag issue. What happened was Boston, when they lost that case, we used the Liberty Council, Matt Staver's uh, they, organization. They were trying to prevent you from flying the Christian flag in right, Massachusetts. Right, right. And, and, and 
John knows Innocent about that people. case. We, we won that case. We yeah, won we that case. Yeah, brief. right. We won that case. And that's why you won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won the case, 9-zip. And even our enemies, even Biden and the ACLU, had to agree that we were that we were discriminated against. And that's unheard of. But what I wanted to say in that regard, the way we really profited by that was the uh, it became a precedent. Mm-hmm. And it eliminated what was known as the lemon test. So what has happened now with that, because it's a precedent that no flags in a lot of areas and now other localities in Massachusetts, when they apply to fly the flag, he says, no, we can't, we're not going to fly any flag or else we'd have to fly everybody's flag. So it still came out as, as a win-win because it eliminated all flags except Old Glory and the state flag and maybe the local because flag. Because they were flying the tranche. They were flying, they were flying all the flags. So we took it as a, as a victory, not as a loss. <laughs> because then the enemies could not come back and say, oh, if you fly their flag, you got to fly our flag. So it was still a win. But another issue I want to talk Can about. Can I just say something about that quickly, Bruce? Yes. To explain a little further, we filed an amicus to a friend of the, the court brief in support of Pastor... Shirtliff in this case. No, he's not and a pastor. I was the pastor. <laughs> yeah, he was, right. yeah. but, but anyway, they were holding what was called a Constitution Camp. This yeah. is an annual event that they hold in July there in the city park. And there's a policy the city has had over the years that if an organization is holding an event in the city park, they can fly the flag of that organization right. in the city park on a particular flagpole right. while they're holding that event. Right. And... Anyway, Pastor Kraft here has been the chaplain for Constitution Camp. Anyway, at first it might seem it's an establishment of religion to fly a Christian flag, a church flag, in a city park. However, they had had that practice all along. Over mm-hmm. 300 other organizations had been allowed to fly their flags right. when they were having events, including gay rights organizations, <laughs> gay pride flags, and things like that. <laughs> This is the only organization that the city had ever told, you can't fly your flag. I don't know what the Puritans would have thought about that. This Boston was the home of the Puritans. Correct. Yes. And you can't fly a Christian flag in Boston. But Absolutely bizarre. There's some real twisted thinking going on on the leftist side. Yeah. Um, I mean, this woke mentality is coming over here too. Mm-hmm. Although I think many people here want to resist it. I don't think they'll find Africa as receptive to woke as it has been Europe and America. But um, how would you say we should be responding to the woke disease? Well, let me say one thing, why I'm seeing so much of this happen. You talk about same-sex marriage, for example. And when you're in the United States or when you're in Europe, you think same-sex marriage is sweeping the world. (laughs) You know how many countries in Asia have adopted same-sex marriage? Zero. (laughs) How many in Africa? I believe two. South Africa being one of them. Mm-hmm. How many in Latin America? Well, it's about 50-50 there. In Europe, every country with a possible exception to North Ireland has, in Western Europe, in Eastern Europe, they have gotten nowhere, nowhere in Russia. You don't oh, find I'm any. Neutral. The penguins in, South, in, in Antarctica have no interest in same-sex marriage, <laughs> nor do the polar bears in Greenland. No. It is only in the areas where the Protestant Reformation was strong, mm. Western Europe and North America, Mm-hmm. that you see same-sex marriage and these other things taking off. And you wonder, why is that? Mm. I'll suggest why it is. It's because the Protestant Reformations <coughs> stressed individual freedom. Mm-hmm. Yes. But individual freedom works 
only when you have a moral and biblical base for it. Mm -hmm. Take away that moral and biblical base, and all you have is permissivism and promiscuity. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're seeing that in these areas. But it's not true in the West of the world. Yeah, it's, true. It's, it's not reformation. It's deformation in this yeah. case. Yeah. yeah. Degeneration. I'm, I'm glad you said that, uh, John, because I don't use the term progressives when speaking about the left. I use the term regressive because there's nothing progressive yes. uh, about this this whole phenomenon. Uh, for example, there's a, a documentary out. You might want to show it uh, at, uh, in one of your sessions, uh, Roe versus Wade. Which uh, you know about that? We've shown it for you. Oh, you have. Uh, okay. We we made it a Reformation study. Okay. Okay. Not well, since I don't have very to go into very interesting to see the lies that yes, yeah, okay. uh, they built Roe v. Yeah. Wade on. Okay, so you already every know level that. deception, deception <laughs> upon more deception. Right. Right. And as far as myself and my buddy Hal and others were concerned concerning Roe versus Wade, we didn't really see where there was really any benefit of the feds getting out of it and shooting it back to the states. And the reason being is simply this. All it did was shift murder from the feds. They washed their hands of it and shot it back down to the individual states. But there are states already to pass laws. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. A few, and basically, uh, them are conservative states and in the Midwest. Yes. But the West Coast, the East Coast, that's not true. But what it has, what it has done, though, people in other states, for example, uh, in in New England, <laughs> they have sanctuary cities. Massachusetts is a sanctuary state. With people in, in states that do not permit it, who have prohibited it, they just go across state lines and get it done there. So babies are still being killed. See, it hasn't, it hasn't changed babies not being killed. So we take the position, God's position is not, well, shift sin from state A to state B. No, God's position is it's murder, it's premeditated murder, and since we agree on that principle that killing babies is premeditated murder, it's absurd to think, well, you know, if you commit a capital crime, you know, in a state that supports the death penalty, you know, or a state that does not support the death penalty and you want to you wanna snuff somebody, you just go to the next state and do it there. So I don't see that the thing being shifted to the states was a victory when it comes to the issue of premeditated murder through abortion. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very, it's a limited victory, but plainly, originally, Roe v. Wade was built upon a lie. Yeah, yeah many, what many lies. Yeah. Exactly. And we've, we've counted that. Uh, so that, that is, it's a victory in, in a few ways, but... Obviously, it puts victory. more responsibility down to the local state. It's a state. partial victory in that it gets back to what the Constitution actually says. Yeah, it's yes. commit, you, uh, take, you take the 14th Amendment, which states that nor shall any state deprive mm -hmm. any person of life, liberty, or property mm -hmm. without due process of law. And Justice Blackmun in Roe versus Wade said that that word liberty in the 14th Amendment includes the right to abortion, even though it doesn't mention abortion at all. That was a great stretch mm. to say that. Couldn't have mm. even imagined it, yeah. Uh, however, if you're going to say that the 14th Amendment guarantees, the Liberty Clause guarantees abortion, mm. don't you also say that when it says life, liberty, or property, that the life phrase there guarantees the right to life? Mm. You would think even so, you could still probably make the argument that even though the guarantee of life is in the 14th Amendment. Nevertheless, the place to enforce that guarantee is at the state level. Our murder laws generally are, are state laws, not yeah. federal laws. That's true. So th there's, there's, as far as whether the court should have gone further, 
And as possibly Justice Thomas would have wanted to do, but I don't think any of the other justices would have followed him in this Mm -hmm. and said that not only does the liberty phrase of the 14th Amendment not guarantee abortion because it doesn't mention abortion, but the life guarantee guarantees the right to life. Therefore, abortion has to be prohibited in all states. Well, we've seen what the reaction has been to the decision. You see, the court could have gone any of three ways. They could have gone to one extreme and said, the word liberty there, just like Roe versus Wade said, guarantees the right to abortion, so abortion must be legal everywhere. Or they could have gone to the other extreme and said the word life guarantees the right to life everywhere, and therefore abortion must be illegal everywhere. Mm-hmm. Instead, what the court did is they said the Constitution doesn't mention abortion, therefore the Constitution doesn't protect abortion, therefore the issue belongs to the states to legalize it or illegalize it or <laughs> regulate it as they see fit. And that was a middle ground position. Mm-hmm. But even to that, we've seen what the reaction was. Mm-hmm. A lot of that reaction is based on a lot of misunderstanding. A lot of people, that the left is deliberately telling people that the Supreme Court made abortion illegal with that decision. They didn't do that at all. They just left it to the states to regulate. Yes. But we've seen what the public reaction was against that. Supposing mm-hmm. the court had gone all the way and said abortion has to be illegal everywhere. The reaction it would have been much, much worse than this, mm-hmm. which they, demonstrates They've even been that, threatening the lives of Supreme oh, yeah. Court justices. Which, which demonstrates, I think, yeah. that there is a limit to how far government can do, go, and especially how far unelected Supreme Court justices can go mm-hmm. in getting ahead of the people in trying to regulate morality. Mm-hmm. They have to... The, the public perception that life begins at conception, which it clearly does, but mm-hmm. that perception has to be inculcated mm-hmm. to people for this to really work. Yes. This is still mostly an education battle. It still is. So that's why it's important for us to have biblical worldview summits and to look at these different issues from the perspective of the Word of God, every area, crime, punishment, mm-hmm. economics, education. And we're so grateful that you come here for this. Now, anyone can access on the Frontline Mission SA.org website Vimeo videos of your presentations, and uh, they can also um, go directly onto your website. Colonel Asma, would you like to give the contact details? The Foundation for Moral Law, where I serve as senior counsel, this was the foundation that was established by Judge Roy Moore after the Ten Commandments were removed. But our foundation exists to defend the original intent of the Constitution, to defend religious liberty, to defend the sanctity of life the traditional family, the right to keep and bear arms, other rights like this. You can find our website if you simply Google morallaw.org or anything close to that, morallaw.org. And yours? Yes, and you can contact us through Camp Constitution. That's campconstitution.net. Or you can contact me by simply Google search Reverend Stephen Lewis Craft. Thank you so very much. Now, as we've got a few more minutes, Pastor Steve, any words you want to give to our listeners? Yes, we have to get, we have to have a spiritual awakening. Nothing's going to fix these problems except a spiritual awakening turning back to God. And I believe, my brothers and sisters around the world, that has to begin with humbling ourselves before the Lord and retaining and coming back to the fear of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord 
is the beginning, not the ending, the beginning of wisdom. But all fools despise knowledge and sound instruction. So I'm very encouraged because I want to be a part of what uh, Dr. Hammond is doing, and I want to be a part of what, what uh, Brother Eismore is doing and begin to see how we can stop this major onslaught, which is bringing us into this 2030 uh, uh, what they call the uh, new so-called this this a uh, new agenda, uh, and which seems awfully like what Revelation warns us about: one world government, one world economic system, one world interfaith religion. Yes, and I believe that Africa is going to be the main uh, vessel that God's going to use. As I said earlier this morning, For the first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, Colonel uh, we're heading into an election year this year, uh, America's too. There's been a lot of questions about the legitimacy of America's last 2020 elections and election interference and big tech and big governments and also the alphabet agencies interfering in the election and colluding with the Google and Facebook and others in order to actually, uh, and Twitter, uh, suppress alternative opinions and to um, crush dissent. Um what is the chance of America having a really free, fair election in 2024? Well, what's really upsetting about all of this is mm -hmm. it has become almost a crime in America to even question the validity of Biden's election. Mm -hmm. And you look at <coughs> our lamestream media in America, and they will not just say Trump has contested the election. They'll simply say Trump's unsubstantiated and false claims that mm -hmm. the election was stolen from him, as though that's, that's established that's, fact. That's not journalism, that's propaganda. Exactly, mm -hmm. it's propaganda. <clears throat> but the issue of fraud, I think, is, to me, less significant than the issue of illegality and unconstitutionality. It's not so much that there were individuals voting that shouldn't vote, although there were some. And that is a matter of voting rights. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you want to deny, deny me my right to vote, one way you can do it is just not allowing me to cast a ballot. But the other way you can do it is to cancel out my vote with an illegal voter. Mm -hmm. That is denying my right to vote just as though you hadn't allowed me to vote to begin with. Mm -hmm. Now, well, what they have done... In, there are millions in, of illegal voters now. Absolutely. What mm -hmm. they had, have done in this case is they have, in some swing states like Pennsylvania, like Michigan like Georgia and a few others. They have initiated policies of early voting, and the U.S. Constitution, with a very few exceptions, delegates the power to control elections to state legislatures, and yet state election boards, governors, and other appointees like this, secretaries of state, have been establishing these policies for early voting and the like, and this is unconstitutional and illegal. I'm more concerned yes. about those unconstitutional policies than individual cases of fraud, although there yes. were some of those. But there's also suppressing of news and manipulating of the media, hmm. especially social media, by FBI, CIA involved with Google, Twitter, and hmm. uh, Facebook. And you know, there's no doubt that's, we did not that's have, also an interference in the We election. didn't have any early voting in America. We voted on election day. That's right. Up until the war between the states, at which time soldiers who were off on the battlefield were allowed to cast absentee ballots, but it was limited to that. And then we came for many, many years to where you could have an absentee ballot if you had a good reason why you couldn't vote on election day. 
But for the most part, the election took place on election day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important yes. because many times the most important issues or facts about candidates and elections come out in the last days of an election. Yes. And if you vote before those things have come out, then you haven't really cast an informed vote. It's kind of like, let's say that I was serving on a jury. And on the jury, I announced, well, I'm not going to be able to stay to hear the defendant's case, so I'm leaving early. Here's my vote. Yeah, well, that's an uninformed vote. Exactly. And that, but that's why I say with a very few exceptions, voting should take place on election day and on election day alone. Now, is it true in America that you don't have to have a photographic identification document to vote? In some states, that's true. In some states, it isn't. In Alabama, you have to have photo ID. Yes, I don't know any country in Africa where they would let somebody vote who wasn't bringing a proper identity document. What they're arguing in the United States is this makes it impossible for poor people to vote because they can't get IDs. Well, you can get a free, even if you don't have a driver's license, you can get a free state ID if you can't afford one. Well, we've got poor people all over Africa, but they still need a photo ID to vote. Yes, and it's the same in America. That's nothing but racist propaganda. Uh, there's no way, I mean, it's common sense, there's no way that so-called poor people do not have IDs. Exactly. That's just a lie straight out the Well, you need it to be able to fly. You, you need it to drive a car. People have IDs. That's a racist, disgusting plot that they use to push the race car. That's all that is. Now, there's another thing in California about non-citizens voting. California law says you have to be a citizen to vote. I'm sure. However... Practically speaking, you can get a driver's license mm -hmm. without being a citizen. And to register to vote, all you need to show is your driver's That's license, right. and they don't check whether you're a citizen or not. Oh. So I've been told by people in California that the number of illegal or votes by non-citizens is in the millions. Mm -hmm. And you've had a few million more come across your border since Biden became president. Oh, quite a few. Yeah, quite a millions like, more. I yeah. had 11 million illegal aliens, of course. And this is deliberate years. because mm -hmm. the belief is that these will primarily be Democrat voters. Yes. And so this is a deliberate attempt yes. to try to preserve. I mean, when you're exterminating your children by abortion, you've got to make up for it somehow, and you make up for it by illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. But this suits the globalist agenda. If the yes. globalist can persuade you not to have children or to be uh, gently mutilated mm -hmm. for this mm -hmm. gender-affirming care, as they call it, which mm -hmm. is basically sterilizing people, mm -hmm. or abortion or pornography, they can prevent the next generation being born. Right. But they've got transplant a population they could bring into a place who are more amenable and they can buy their votes easier. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is not exactly democratic. In the long run, this could also backfire, especially among the Hispanic voters. We're finding that Hispanic voters are turning more and more conservative and more and more Republican. And I think they that's going to be happening be with black voters no, as well. That is true. That's, that's true. That, right now... There is an organization called Blacks for Trump, but it's not getting it's not getting promoted. There's about a twenty percentage now of black people. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably heard. I know you did when when they when Trump's mugshot and he had to come through the hood down mm -hmm. there in Georgia. The streets were lined up with black people when his cow when his motorcade came through. Said, "Oh." You're the real black president. <laughs> so the tide is turning. The tide is turning. Matter of fact, there's a black guy who was who was in BLM, and he was the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter chapter in Rhode Island, and his name is Mark Fisher. 
And he says, hey, he says, Trump's the man. He says, uh, I'm going to vote for him. And it caused a riot almost with black with with the National Black Lives Matter organization because here's this guy was one of them and he turned on them and yet the 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 the, the headlines came out Black Lives Matter uh, a representative from Rhode Island is now a Trumpster. I have to say one of the things that the left fears most in America is a black conservative That's like right. Pastor Kraft <laughs> because the black vote is supposed to be their vote they think they're 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 our captives yeah. And when you hear a black person like Pastor Kraft here who thinks for himself, they don't want that. They fear it. They don't like anyone think for themselves. Interestingly, in Zimbabwe, they have more freedom of speech in America because in Zimbabwe, editors can say the election was stolen, the government stole the election, the election was rigged. Politicians say it. People say it openly in Zimbabwe. And I don't know if anyone getting arrested for saying Mm. the government stole the election and the election was rigged in Zimbabwe. Interesting that in America, it's a subject you're not allowed to speak about. Something else we've noticed is hell has open borders. Mm. <laughs> but right. heaven, heaven has a strict immigration policy. That's right. Very true. And if you've got an open border, it's no border at all. So any country needs good borders. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be praying for America's upcoming elections and praying for God to bless America and to bring America back to God. Good night and God bless you.